and welcome to the Petite Polymath. I'm your host, Britt Stone. This is episode number two, and we'll just dive right in. Let me stop my music. Okay, so the book that we're going to dive into is What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens. Uh, It is fiction, but I think very um, loosely based on her personal life. Um, The author is a woman whose mother was South African um, mixed race, which they call colored, uh, married to an American black man, grew up in Philadelphia, and then went on to do her further education on the East Coast. Um, And at one point while in university, her mother succumbed to cancer, and she left school to help take care of her mother. So the the book, What We Lose, is about a character named Thandi, who also has the exact same background, growing up in um, a wealthy or well-to-do suburb of Philadelphia, uh, who goes back home to help take care of her mother when she's diagnosed with breast cancer when Thandi is in uh, university. And so the story is really kind of a daughter's musings on the complex relationship with her mother and her father, but particularly her mother since her mother dies, um, and what grief and mourning looks like um, as a child. At the same time, coming to grips with being this person with her feet in two worlds. So, you know, she is half South African and half American, and technically, by American standards, black, but because of the African aspect, not American black fully, and what that's like. Um, And I thought the book was really beautiful. Uh, It was an interesting format. I I read some articles about uh, Zinzi Clemens, and apparently when she was taking care of her mom, she would write in these short bursts because she just didn't have the capacity to write long form. And she kept everything she wrote, and then found this common theme or thread throughout all of her writing and was able to, to then make it into this novel. Um, and so there's a lot of um, thoughts that the character Thandi has that we're privy to, uh, graphs, some, you know, some scientific you know, bar graphs and diagrams. Uh, in addition, um, even some kind of free-form poetry, I felt, uh, were were parts of, of the book. And it's a very quick read. I actually read it in one evening, just on my couch. Um, I think for me, it's a perfect start to the podcast because we're on our way into Mother's Day this weekend. And I think that uh, musing on the role of mother and our love of our moms, our frustrations with our moms... Uh, realizing that our moms are their own people and have this history that we uh, may not be necessarily privy to uh, as children. One, because we just don't think about it for probably a large part of our lives. And then as adults, if we have the privilege uh, to get to know our our mothers as women and not just as moms, uh, it's very interesting to kind of find out what they were like before before we entered the scene. Um, in thinking about this book, I also was coming up with my playlist, 
which I'm very excited to share, and I'll put the link in the comment section at the end of this podcast, and hopefully you will kind of get a, a feel for the themes. I thought a lot about the ideas of loss of parent, which of course is kind of on the nose, but then also I found some South African musicians that I thought were very uh, fitting given the background of Thandi, uh, and some strong women voices, but I tried to make it kind of as well-rounded as possible and short, so no more than, than half an hour's worth of music. Uh, I'm going to pause here for a bit so that I can rehydrate, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what we lose. So I'm back. Um, and I was thinking, actually, that it's funny that I picked this as the first book because I just came back from vacation and I went on vacation to South Africa with my family. So it was my parents, my brother and I, and we were in Cape Town for 10 days. It was beautiful. We all loved it. We were all already conspiring on the flight home how we could return back. The people were lovely. They were welcoming. They were excited that we were visiting. The landscape was breathtaking. It was very interesting to me uh, because I, I have friends who are from South Africa or friends who have moved to South Africa. Um, and, you know, of course, I've read books about South Africa uh, and, and its history. Uh, but to be there in person, and it was my first time on, on the African continent um, just struck me how different and yet how familiar it felt. Um, and apartheid uh, and, and its history is something that I'm, I've always been interested about, but uh, even more interested now given its fall and the aftermath. And this book refers to apartheid being on its last legs and what the country's kind of been going through since then. Uh, and the, these, you know, groups of people that had been deliberately divided up uh, for political gain and evil, for lack of a better term, um, now trying to figure out how to piece back together uh, their communities and their nation. And I feel like, in some ways, South Africa is maybe, might be where the U.S. was at some point, although maybe it's that the U.S. has never really had this reckoning in a very true way, and so we're, you can't even compare the two countries and, and where they are on the path of racial unity or, you know, reconciliation. Um, and so, you know, kind of having these two cultures in parallel is very interesting to compare and contrast. Uh, Clemens refers a lot to this idea about South Africa and these assumptions of safety or lack of safety and crime and um, these ideas that when family, you know, in the character's family, Thandi, when her South African family hear about or come to the States and they don't see barbed wire and electrical fences over these nice areas, um, or the Christmas lights. There's a, there's a part where 
they're shocked that everyone decorates their homes in these brightly colored bright lights because they feel that in South Africa the lights would be stolen and would be harvested for copper wire to sell. And, you know, that this idea that crime rose significantly in these border areas close to townships uh, when apartheid fell. And, you know, to me, when you're talking about something like this, it makes me wonder that when you have uh, isolated groups based on, you know, very, very superficial differences, and then you have pitted them against each other, and then you take away the boundaries that are rigid, that kept them apart, what do you expect? You haven't allowed for these people to see each other as brother or, or give any sort of hu humanity to the other person's plight. And so, of course, y y there's going to be a breakdown in, in how these groups inter interact with each other because they've never interacted on equal footing. Uh, and so, you know, I, I couldn't help but be struck by that um, while reading this book. In addition, there were some things that really stood out to me um, about the views on, on blackness, particularly kind of colorism. And I'll read an excerpt here. I've often felt that being a light-skinned black woman is like being a well-dressed person who is also homeless. You may be able to pass in mainstream society, appearing acceptable to others, even desired. But in reality, you have nowhere to rest, nowhere to feel safe. Even while you're out in public, feeling fine and free, inside you cannot shake the feeling of rootlessness. Others may even envy you, but this mask, the face, the fact that at night there's nowhere safe for you, no place to call your own. And I was very struck by that because I am not a light-skinned black woman. Um, I cannot pass to save my life. Um, but I, you know, I know growing up in the South and, and these concepts of, you know, of beauty and good hair and bad hair and uh, not needing to be darker than you are and these sorts of ideas that kind of you hear and don't hear it as a child, but you internalize. Um, we're often told that, that lighter-skinned black women have it easier, that they're more desirable or uh, more acceptable. And so to hear the perspective that someone in that skin feels unmoored, like they don't truly have a place, uh, is sobering. I, I think it once again kind of reminds us that uh, we don't ever know someone else's insecurities or situation or plight. We only know our own. And the beauty of literature is that it gives us these snapshots into the minds of people with other experiences than, our, than ours and allows us to realize that at our very core we're all kind of wrestling with, with the same sort of insecurities for maybe d different reasons, but, but still with the same misgivings and uh, trepidation. Um, the book is split into three parts, and I was trying to come up with kind of a common, you know, part of, of where we hit the brakes. It seems that there is, a, there is a point of kind of no return for Thandi at the end of each part, um, that she then makes a decision and decides to do something that's going to change the course um, of her story. And 
I wouldn't say that it's necessarily predictable. Um, there, were, there were some things that I, I was definitely a bit surprised with. Um, and also interspersed are a couple of article uh, postings of uh, things that are going on in South Africa. Uh, I'm not really sure at, at what time. Um, I also was struck by a, a piece or a reference to um, Winnie Mandela, uh, in particular um, the accusations during the, the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Councils um, at the end of, a, of apartheid, which, you know, since her death have been proven to be unfounded lies to, uh, to muddy her name and her legacy, um, which... I'm glad the truth has come to light, but I find it very, very sad that uh, it could not have been rectified when she was living and could have known that her name had been, um, had been once again claimed as wholly being the mother of the nation and what she stood for and her integrity and her strength. Um, so I would love to know, you know, what, what Clemens might be thinking, especially given uh, that updated news. Um, at any rate, we are nearing rapidly almost the 15 minute mark. So I have, I think exactly a minute 30 to talk about something that's making me happy this week. It would be every photo from the Met Ball. One day I would love to go. Until then, I'm just going to enjoy every year waiting with glee for all the Twitter updates and all of the Vanity Fair and Vogue and Instagram photos and, and Insta stories, people getting ready and knowing what the theme is and judging what people are wearing. Um, in particular, I was very excited by um, Lena Waithe. I thought she looked incredible um, and I understood what she was doing there. She was incredibly subversive, but in the classiest of ways. Uh, I also thought that um, that Yara Shahidi looked lovely. I was super excited about uh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, I mean, Rihanna, she, she goes there every year, and she was so sparkly, so sparkly. Um, and then I, I was really excited just seeing all of the... Um, Black Panther cast and and just all of the beautiful brown people celebrating and happy to be there and just having a blast and it just warmed my heart beyond measure. My heart could have exploded from pride. And so, if you haven't checked out the pictures and the videos, you should totally do it. Um, I hope you have a great week. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers. I've now gone over time, and so I'm going to uh, play my exit music. The Petite Polymath is from the mind of Britstone. Hope you enjoyed. <laughs>